reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle. Chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars. Dial 2 for streaming stars. Dial 3 for TV stars. Dial 4 for music stars. Or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. Hi, it's Ray Stewart from Hunted Australia on Channel 10. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I am your host and head of entertainment at Media Week and Chatter, Anita Annabelle. Hunted Australia, the most talked about real life game of extreme hide and seek is back. Featuring 10 diverse pairs of ordinary Australians who transform into real life fugitives. And with limited funds and resources, they must think of clever ways to survive and remain undetected whilst on the run. In this episode, I spoke with the show's Deputy of Operations, Reese Duar OAM. Reese brings a wealth of experience from his distinguished 30-year career. He served in the Australian Defence Force for 23 years, including 12 years in the Special Operations Command. He has also been decorated with the Chief of the Defence Force Commendation, the Chief of Army Commendation, and the Order of Australia Medal for his services to the special operations community. Reese, who is absolutely the nicest person on the planet, revealed what his biggest fear is, what questions he gets asked about being in the special forces, and reveals what the goal of the Hunters is for season two. Hunted Australia premieres on Monday, July 17 at 7.30 on 10 and 10 Play. Here's Reese Dewar. That's very much for the compliment. That was so amazing. You do you do look like you should be on Bottom Beautiful and not on Hunted Australia. Hi, I'm Anita. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, it's so lovely to meet you, Omri. I am a huge fan. Wow. Cool. That's awesome. I am wow. a huge fan. I um I watched the first season. I was glued. I loved every second. And your career is so, so cool. And I can't wait to talk about it. So we'll dive right in. So obviously, season one was such a huge success and was so well received. So give me the cliff notes on what we can expect from season two. Look, I think uh, you're going to see more tech come into play. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot more dynamic than season one. Um, and the hunters are definitely on the hunt this year. Uh, and they want a clean sweep. Another clean sweep. Well, it wasn't a clean sweep this year, last year, was it? No, there was yeah. one. It was who won? Robin. It feels like such a lot yeah, you I remember, know. do you? No, I forgot them already. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I've completely forgotten. Once it's done, it's done. That's it. We're on, we're on to the next one. So I want to know, though, so when you got that original call, like what did you first think of this series? Uh, look, I really I really like the concept. Um, you know, uh, when I was given um, not the script but was given the idea and then given a bit of material to reference, obviously it's been run in the UK and the US. So we had a look at uh, the US show and obviously, you know, we've got um, – one of the guys who's been involved in the show since ben. the very beginning, which is, you know, a great guy, lovely bloke, you know, terrific brother and mate, as as we say now. Um, so it, it was quite daunting, if I'm honest, because I haven't really done anything like this in the past. Uh, and obviously my previous uh, work life 
uh, previous profession didn't allow me to do it. Um, and I'm no longer associated or anything like that. You know, I, on the outside, obviously, as a civilian, I am. Um, but it, it was quite a daunting thing because I was actually meant to come in as a as a as a trainer and an advisor, not so much as being on camera, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I I was really uh, taken back by the offer to be uh, front of camera. So it was it was an easy decision to make in regards to being part of the show. It was a hard decision to make to be on TV, if that makes sense, um, because it's something that was new to me. Um, but the funny thing about that is I'm of the opinion that sometimes you've just got to put yourself out there and try new things and, and see where it takes you. I'm up for a really good adventure. Uh, so far, this has been a great adventure. You definitely are up for an adventure, probably more than most people in the world with your like just the courage that you have in your previous job. And now obviously going on TV, it's like a, probably a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah, it really is. Like um, each profession has their... Um, uh, their challenges, as I'm sure you're aware. You know, um, my previous job, you know, within Special Operations Command Australia was quite dynamic. Uh, I did that for a lot of years, if I'm honest. Um, uh, I spent, you know, over 25 years in the Australian Defence Force. Um, a lot of that time, or the majority uh, towards the end, was with Special Operations Command, both as an operator and as an officer. Um, so it was very dynamic, very different times back then. Um, so to take those skill sets that I learned within the special operations community and the wider ADF uh, and bring them to TV uh, is quite, yeah, it's quite a funny thing to be part of, if I'm honest. And I do really want to touch on your career because I'm just so fascinated by it. But I do just want to ask very quickly about Hunted first. Yes, yeah. Can you tell me about the fugitives coming up on this season? Is there any that we should look out for? Are they even more cunning than last year? Look, I, I, I really can't say too much about them, but what I can say is, um, you know, that these fugitives this year have a little bit of advantage, and the reason why I say that is because they've seen the show. They've seen the first season and they've probably done a little bit more research now. So they bring that to this season. You know, they bring that uh, knowledge uh, and, in some cases, expertise to evade the hunters, um, but uh, clearly they won't. <laughs> clean sweep. Fingers crossed for a clean sweep this season. But in, in terms of the season, the series as a whole, I mean, could you even have imagined the success that has come with it? No, not at all. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I suppose it's a frame of mind and I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, not being a TV person or an actor, um, it's quite a, uh, quite a daunting um, experience, if I'm honest. You know, uh, it's new. But what I will say about season two is that, you know, especially the uh, headquarters staff and the ground hunters, uh, it's no longer new to us. So, you know, the dynamic within the teams, the dynamic within the headquarters uh, is quite real and uh, we get straight into it this time. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, there's no break <laughs> to get set into it. 
So you guys truly, like, this is what I, I, and I'm no magic of TV, but I know you guys are really like in the headquarters. You're like, we want to catch these people. Like this is, this truly is a mission for you guys. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, I think it's one of those things like, um, I don't know if you're here or you've watched special operations movies or anything like that, or army movies or military type style movies, but they often, um, pun a phrase called flicking the switch. Uh, and that's when you are in, immersed in an operation, you're immersed in a task or a mission. Um, and I found that was the same thing that happened on the show. Um, it was one of those things as, as once we walk on the floor, that's it. We flick that switch and we're on. Um, and our job is to hunt fugitives and capture fugitives. And that's what we're there to do until the final scene. That is so cool. That is so cool. I'm really, this is going to sound really bizarre. I'm totally into like prison shows. Like I love prison and ca- like the, I just love the the way that um, I guess criminals and fugitives think. I think that's really what fascinates me about, you know, crime and law and well, for your case, special forces. I mean, that is that something that you're interested in, in the way that people think? Yeah, 100%. You have to be. Um, even in my previous life as, you know, being a member of special forces, um, you know, hunting down live terrorists uh, or real terrorists, not live terrorists, real terrorists, um, you have to start thinking like them. And one of the things that I was always taught in my military career is you want to uh, defeat an adversary, you've got to start thinking like him. Um, so that's what we've got to do. And that's no change to the fugitives. We're, once we find out who they are, where they come from, what their backgrounds are, then we can start looking at you know what their psyche is, uh, how they're going to operate. Uh, and then, yeah, we commence to hunt. So when you're looking into their psyche, how do you know? Like, do you, do you, are you like, oh no, we know that this is what's going to happen. We know that this is how they're going to, we know that they're, this person's a really family oriented person. So they're going to go to the family straight away. Is that kind of how it works or is it, what kind of things are you looking for? Yeah, look, it's, um, so we have a really uh, great um, team with inside the headquarters. Okay. We have, you know, uh, cyber analysis, uh, Cyber analysts. <laughs> That's a hard one to get out. And so here you go. Ten thirty. Yeah, we have cyber analysts. We have um, uh, psych uh, analysts. Um, we have operational intelligence analysts. Um, so all those people fuse everything together about the fugitives. Um, so it's a it's a it really is a dynamic team effort to find out how the fugitives are going to think and what. Uh, they are going to do on the run. But going back to your point of, you know, are they family orientated and and is that what we look into? Definitely. You know, so we're looking for um, what we used to call patterns of life. So a pattern of life is what you do on a daily basis. You know, uh, do you ring your mum every day? Um, Do you go and see your family every day? Are you with your family every day? Um, So those things is what we can actually pick up on on an individual and we can kind of predict or we give up courses of action of how this person is going to act on the run. So an example that I often use is, you know, when people say, I'm going to go off grid and go bush, you know, that's great. If someone tells me that and they're, they're a fugitive, I go, okay, I'll look back into their history and have a look at, okay, how often have they been camping? How often have they carried a pack? Do they understand how hard it is to actually go off grid and live for 21 days? Uh, and if the answer to that question is this is their first time, 
they're not going to last very long. I will be very honest with you. If I did this show, you could just find me at home, which is where I love being. I find you probably wouldn't look there. <laughs> exactly. The most obvious place to go to and you absolutely wouldn't look there. I'm such a homebody. It's it's quite ridiculous. If I'm not out doing events or whatever, I'm I'm in bed. It's 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 just straight up as that. But with your career, I mean, this is this is something, oh my God, I'm so fascinated and I have so many questions. But Firstly, how did your career start or how did you go as a kid? Like, did you wake up and go, I want to be in the special forces? Like, how did, oh, tell me everything. Look, I think, um, yeah, wow, that's uh, that's uncasing a um, history. Um, (laughs) So I think from an early age, I knew I wanted to be in the military. So, you know, I I was the typical kid that was a boy scout. Um, You know, I was a scout. Um, an APL, an assistant patrol leader when I was a scout. So I was in a leadership role at the age of 10. Uh, wow. You know, so it was one of those things. And then I transitioned over to cadets um, at the age of 13. Um, did you do that at high school? Uh, yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's really, it's uh, it's a real funny thing because, um, you know, without getting too much into um, personal aspects of life, um my upbringing made me the person I am today, you know, and hopefully people like that. I like me, so that's a good thing. We uh, like you. Yeah, thank you very much. But um, <laughs> what it is is that, yeah, I suppose I had an early fascination for the military. Um, and at the age, age of 17, I wasn't overly educated. Uh, you know, my schooling wasn't the best. I didn't go to university or anything like that. And I saw an option there to join the military. So I actually joined as a recruit, as a, as a private soldier um, at the age of 18 or 17, 18 years old. Um, and then that's when my career actually started. And then, um, you know, I was fortunate enough where I won a couple of awards going through my recruit training and basic training uh, and was given my first preference um, of unit. Uh, and that unit was the Australian Army Paratroopers, um, 3 RAR uh, Paratroop Battalion. So I became a paratrooper at 18 years old and was jumping out of planes. And one of the funniest things I always like to say to people is one of the first aircraft I ever got into in the military actually had to jump out of it. So <laughs> so I've always had that thing. Um, so I was a paratrooper for, you know, going on 10 years and then I went to the Special Forces after that. That is mind blowing to me. Firstly, that you would put yourself, that you willingly were like, "Yeah, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to. I want to be in a unit where I jump out of planes." Do you not have any fear? Oh, definitely. I'll tell you a funny story about recent fear, if that's okay. I would love that. I, I went on a. I went on a, uh, a cruise with my family just recently, and uh, and my daughter, she's eighteen, back home from university, and um, she wanted to do a uh, activity on the boat called walking the plank. So just to put it in perspective, this is an I-beam that's suspended above the ground or the ocean, 14 floors up. So me looking at it from the ground, I just went, yeah, let's go and do that. Why not? And I've got to say, that was one of the scariest things I've done recently. <laughs> serious? Yeah. You've jumped out of planes. Oh, I don't understand. It's a lot different than, uh, than doing that type of thing. And what I go back to, it's all about mindset, right? It's the mindset that you're in. So I remember, you know, um, being in missions in in in, um, in okay Afghanistan and Iraq, 
uh, where I always used to have a mantra, and the mantra was when we were moving towards a target, we get a three-minute or one-minute call, and then you go into your mantra, and your mantra was checking your equipment, checking your weapons and everything like that, and then psyching yourself in, or not psyching yourself into, is uh, doing a mind map of the mission you're about to go and do. Okay, before you even step off the aircraft or anything like that. Um, so that's what I do, and I still do that today, and it doesn't matter what I'm doing in life. So even walking a plank off a ship, um, I'm kind of like, right, I'm walking through this in my head. What am I going to do? I'm going to walk under this plank. I'm going to turn around. But what I wasn't um, uh, prepared for was the the young guy that was holding the rope turned to me and said, okay, what I want you to do is jump up in the air and do a 180 turn on an island. And I was like, all right, I can do this. <laughs> My daughter just did it, so yeah, I can do this. <laughs> and funnily enough, yeah, I did it. You, of course you did it. Of course you did it. Good, but it was one of those things where I was just like, yeah, this is pretty scary, right? And I remember that feeling. I remember that feeling. It doesn't matter what you do. You just remember that feeling. So, yeah. The fear that you, say, for instance, you are in Afghanistan and you know that you're going out, you've got your weapon you're going out into warfare basically is like what is that fear like because i can't even imagine look I, i've got to say um so the first time i was ever on combat operations i was uh, probably 29 30 years old okay um prior to that we were you know doing peacekeeping operations and everything like that which has a level of risk associated with it, with it as well um but to answer your question, I, in my early years, I, I regarded myself as a professional soldier um, before I even went to any conflict zone. Uh, I was mm. a professional. I had the best training on the planet um, through the Australian Defence Force. Uh, it prepared me very well for what um, no one expected us to go and do, um, but it prepared me very well for it. Um, so there was no fear in regards to my ability to execute what I needed to execute. Um, so, yeah, it just came back to the level of training that we uh, we were given to prepare us for combat, if that makes sense. Was there ever a moment that you kind of went out and were like, I'm just not sure if I'm going to make it back alive? Look, no, not really, because you can't think like that. Yeah, no, look, you can't think like that. There was many a moment where, and I'll, I'll take you back to Af um, to uh, Iraq. Um, you know, we used to do a lot of vehicle patrols around the um, cities and everything like that in Iraq. And at the time, there was an IED threat was quite high, so cars were being blown up uh, on the sides of roads. They were using IEDs as um, part of gut uh, parts of gutter systems and drains. Uh, digging them under roads to, you know, target vehicles. Um, if And we were doing active patrols every day, every day, mm -hmm. you know, for five, six months. So if you think that every time you roll out the gate that you're going to die, you're in the wrong place um, because your way of looking at that affects your whole team. And at the time I was a team leader. Um, so, you know, I've got to have the confidence in my own ability to be able to plan I've got to have the confidence in my own ability and my team's ability to execute the mission that we're assigned to do. Uh, and that's all we can do. You know, the rest is up to the gods. Um, and that's the way it is, you know. And if, um, you know, I've lost a, a few mates in combat and um, I've got to say, you never 
really get over that type of thing. But what you can do is just remember their life. Uh, and the other thing I try to do is be a good human going forward. That's it. That's all I can do. I had the fortunate uh, privilege of speaking to Mark Billy Billingham. Um, like, yeah, we love him. him. I know of him. Yeah. Oh, you guys would get along so well. I don't know why you aren't <laughs> mates. Uh, but Billy's Billy's amazing, and he he told me the very similar things. You know, one thing that really struck me that he said when I interviewed him, this was two years ago, I said to him, like, what's one question that people ask you about this, what you do, <laughs> or that, that you actually dislike? Like, what is that question? And he actually said people say to him, have you ever killed anybody? 100%. Yeah. I, I, look, I... My answer to that question is, is always no. Yeah. No, because the reason, I, because it, it leads down a rabbit hole, okay? Um, and the thing is, um, it's not a fickle thing to say. Like, it's, it's a throwaway thing because a person that asks that question is not prepared for the answer. No. Okay? So that's why I don't give them the answer. Now, who who knows that answer is the people that were with me, that were standing with me mm. uh, and were operating with me in those locations. That's who knows. Yeah. That's all that needs to know. And the other one I would say is, um, you know, probably not even family a lot of the time. They suspect, but you don't have to verify. What I'm like, the reason I brought that up and was absolutely not to get you to answer that question. Please don't think that was for me to answer well, that question. It was just really shocked me that people do say that. I mean, they. It really shocked me that people have that. That oh, like oh, you know. And it's it's. I was actually more curious. Like, what is there any questions that people have asked you that you kind of besides that one that do make you uncomfortable about your operations that you've done previously? Uh, look, not uncomfortable about operations I've done, but I think um, you know the scrutiny behind what we did. Okay, um, especially in Australia, and I don't want to get political about it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of scrutiny post-war, and there, and there has been since, you know, the first war. You know, um, soldiers come back and they are scrutinised for the actions that they did uh, while they were away, and there's nothing wrong with that. People have got opinions. People have uh, got their own uh, thoughts on, on what, it, what occurred. Um, what I try to do these days, and I think I do it quite well, is I don't um, elaborate too much on on those type of things. But what I can say is, and and I and I stand by this all the time, is that you know the people that know were the ones that were standing in those boots in combat, fighting insurgents and fighting the enemy. Um, the rest have an opinion, but they don't know. If that makes. I think it's really hard for. People who like, because for me, like, I would never join the army willingly, but that's just because I don't have the resilience. <laughs> but I think it's like, so it's more like a fascination, and it's 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 really interesting to me. The other thing that I was really curious about, and now, and you said this about hunted, was that you now can go on hunted because you're now a civilian. That's correct. Yeah. So prior to that, if you were in the special forces, is that an identity thing? Like, is that sure. is that a reason? Oh, it really yeah, is. It really is, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, without going in, in into scrutinising <laughs> it, um, it, it definitely is. But there's also a level of risk there as well. Um, so you've got a 
be willing to accept that risk. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's not just me that has to be comfortable with this. Um, it has to be my family mm. uh, and my immediate family that has to be comfortable with this. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't work. You know, um, when I served, I had an awesome family support network uh, and I still have that today. Um, they support me in everything I do, everything crazy that I want to go and do. That's They support it, funnily enough, because they know who I am. But um, but it's that support network. So I, I honestly probably wouldn't do the things I do if I didn't have that network. Of course, of course. And when you're working with counterterrorism, mm-hmm. I mean, it, is it the same kind of like looking at the fugitives that you do on the show? Is that very similar to how you would profile terrorists or would you even know how to yeah, look, profile them? Yeah, look, it, it is. And this is one of the things that drew me to the show initially was uh, the authenticity behind it. Um, it has to be authentic. Um, otherwise, it just would not work. So the mm. processes that you see on the show um, and the um, the powers of state that we replicate for the hunting of the fugitives, you know, those, those are things that have been used in the past. I'm not saying they're being used now or in the future, but definitely in the past, that's what we've used. And what we try and do is protect what we call TTPs, tactics, techniques and procedures of current use. So we don't want to... Um, shine a light on things that are being conducted now because if we do do that, then we could compromise those people that are still in the job today and serving our nation. Yeah, that's so interesting. So they're old tactics. They're not even – that makes so much sense because why would you show what tactics are being used now because then people would know. 100%. Yeah. So that's that that's how things are authentic, you know. And the people in that in the room and the people on the ground, you know, they're they're, they're true operatives, they're intelligence operatives, they're analysts, they're um psych analysts, they're uh cybersecurity professionals, you know, every one of them has a a very uh I suppose illustrious career and are the front of their uh expertise. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm just a little bit mind blown that, of course, I didn't even think that, of course, that you can't have that information out there because otherwise it really puts jeopardy on what's actually happening in the real world. Exactly right. And we would never jeopardise what, you know, uh, guys and girls and uh, our government does today or does not do. You know, that's, that's the way it is. Would you ever be able to step back in or no? Not uh, now. No, look, and this is a, actually there's a question that people have actually asked me. Would you go back? There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, um, look, I would love to, but I'm not 20 years old anymore. <laughs> and I've got to say, it's a young man's game or a young woman's game. Um, you've got to be fit, extremely fit. Um, you know, I remember, you know, probably at the peak uh of my service, you know, I could run 5Ks in 17 minutes, you know, that type of thing. That's the type of level of fitness. I mean, we were doing CrossFit before CrossFit was a thing. <laughs> that's what I say. So it, it's just a different lifestyle. The other side of it is that um, your mindset changes. So it is a very, and I've said this uh, to my own family, is it's a um, – Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very um, self-career, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's all about self, it's all about mission, it's all about the job. Um, and that's not throwaway, that's the way it is. And the reason why I say that now is because I didn't realise it when I was in the job. Um, so everything else takes a back seat. Your family takes a back seat and the mission and the and the unit and the regiment takes a primary seat uh, in, in, in what you do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a long way of getting there, but no, I'd, I'd love to go back and I go back and visit on anniversaries and see what the guys are up to and girls are up to. And it, it's fascinating to see, you know, capability progress where it is today. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, there's one thing we always say, you never want to be a liability to a team. Um, whether the day you think you're a liability is the day you need to take your boots off and step aside. Uh, and you've just got to have the moral courage and the ability to be able to identify that and then and move on. And now you're an order of um, order of now I can't speak an order of Australia medal recipient, and now you're on hunted. It's you know how funny that your life has just taken this turn. Yeah, look, it's a bit crazy. I've got to admit, um, I, I'm still look. I'm not a big social media dude because of my previous life, but um, yeah, but it's kind of it's. You know, you've got to. Sometimes you are given opportunities, and you need need to embrace them, whatever that looks like. Uh, I think one of the biggest traits that I was taught while I was in the military was humility. Um, and as long as I keep that, and I keep you know that focus, I think um, yeah, everything's going to be be fine. You know, but it, I think it just really takes a certain type of mindset to to be. Look, it really does. Look, I've. Um, you know, throughout my service, I've been blown up. I've been shot at. We've done it. You know, done everything. Jumped out of planes. Jumped out of helicopters. Um, nearly drowned in oceans. Uh, things like that. But the funny thing, and that was just at the Carnival Cruise. Yeah, exactly right. That was just the Carnival <laughs> Cruise. Um, but the funny thing is, is you're 100 percent right. It is mindset. You know, um, you know, when I deal with. Um, kids on kids programs and, and even talking to some adults these days, I often say that, you know, life life is an adventure, life is a journey. You choose what journey you want to take. But at the end of the day, you know, you choose also to be a victim or a veteran. Uh, and I don't mean veteran in the term of a military veteran or anything like that. What I mean is a veteran of life. Um, you know, so if, you know, maybe next time we can talk about um, family and growing up because I'll tell you, that's, I would love that. that's a more interesting story than my military career, I tell you. I or do, I know. If we had, no, my God, I would definitely have you back on. I would definitely ask you all the questions. No, I just find it so fascinating and you, you were one of, I mean, Ben as well, both of you were my favourites. So, um, but it's great. I the, love just, the man. Oh my God. I want to love both of you, but you are, you are so fabulous. Before I do lose you though, I do have one really quick question. What advice would you have for yourself as a teenager going into this career, knowing what you know now? Look, have the confidence that you can do it. Um, I think the other one is, you know, and reflection's a great thing. So thanks for this question. Um, yeah, back yourself, have the confidence going forward and don't be scared of the next step because you never know where it's going to take you. Thank you so much. That's great, Anita. Great to talk to you, really. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. 
The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud chatter podcast. 